Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Don't you love that video? I'm telling you. Well, good morning. Um, my name is John Warnock. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I like that video because I see myself in a lot of that stuff up there, right? I mean, how many of you have ever wanted to do what Miss Bates did there in the parking lot? Yes, I see a few hands out there. Yeah, all of you guys are crazy like me. Um, yeah, I, the thing that's kept me back is I don't want to have to pay for somebody else's car to get fixed. Otherwise, I might have done that once or twice. Well, we are in our series here. Uh, called, Are You Who You Want to Be? And we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit, and we've looked uh, each week at the different facets of that, of that fruit. Week one, uh, Keith talked to us about love and the importance of, of love and how God gives us that love for himself and for other people. And week two, uh, we talked uh, about joy. And remember there that our joy isn't based on our external circumstances, on the things that happen in our lives, but our joy is really found in the work Uh, that Jesus Christ did on the cross uh, for us. Last week, Keith talked about peace and uh, how through Jesus that we can overcome worry. And today, we're doing the next one in line, uh, dealing with patience and how how you can overcome anger. And so I want to show you one other video. Uh, The other ones, obviously, those were from Hollywood. Uh, This one, to the best that I know, actually happened. Let's take a look at this one. I like to think in my head that that Pluto was pretty angry right there, don't you think? I mean, I can imagine what it's like. I've never done that job before to dress in the big stuffed animal suit. But it's got to be hot. I mean, he's in Florida. It's got to be hot. Kids come up and kick you and pull your tail. And, and finally, Pluto just says, that's it. I've had enough. I mean, can't you just see that? And then the lady steps in. Anyway, just, they weren't patient at all. Now, let me, let me confess to you. Um, Whenever I get the opportunity to, to preach and teach, I, I feel like sometimes, or, or often actually, that y'all could just go away and I could just be talking to myself because I need to hear this stuff. You know what I mean? And so, let me just tell you, I, I don't have this whole thing down, all right? This whole having patience and overcoming anger, I, I'm working on it. What I can tell you, and what is apparent in my life, is that, is that over time, from the moment of becoming a follower of Christ till now, over time I can look back and I can see that God is working in my life and that God is giving me patience. But I'm not perfect yet. And so as we go through this together, know that I'm preaching and teaching to me as much as these words may be for you, okay? Um, So let me tell you where we're going to go today. Uh, We're going to look at uh, the definition of patience uh, and then we'll look at how do we cultivate patience by attacking um, anger, and th- which is the opposite of patience. So let me pray for us, and then we will jump right in. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this amazing church family where we can gather and worship you. I thank you for our worship team and all that they do to help us honor you. I thank you for leading us to study the fruit of the Spirit. And God, I pray that you would help us to not only just understand the work of the Holy Spirit more, but God, help us those of us that are followers of you, help us to align ourselves so that you 
are able to work in us more and able to bring that fruit more apparent in our lives. Father, for those in this room that are still checking things out, that are exploring the whole idea of following Jesus, I pray, God, that as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, that you will help them to realize your love and your grace and your mercy. And God, that they would fall crazy in love with you because of your goodness and your grace. God, give us, continue to give us ears to hear as we study your word. And help us to be doers of what we hear. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So the definition of patience. Remember two weeks ago when, when we were talking about joy, I shared with you that it's important to make sure that you have the same definition of words, right? Total story about being in Guyana. Well, just this week I had a similar thing happen. I was talking with a friend of mine about Falcon Field. Now, for those of you guys that, that are from Fayette County, you, you maybe you grew up here, you've been here for a long time, you know Falcon Field is like the little airport right, just down the street. This person's new to town. They've been here about a year. And so when I kept referencing Falcon Field, they kept thinking I was talking about the Georgia Dome because that's where the Falcons play, right? So it's important to make sure then that we always have the right definitions or at least the same definition of what we're talking about during a conversation, right? So here we go. The definition of of patience is this. Patience is a God-given restraint of anger or resentment in the face of opposition or oppression, which is not mere passivity. It is a characteristic of God's dealing with sinful people. That's going to stay on the screen for a little bit so you can write that down. But as it's on there, as you're writing it down, let me uh, focus for just a second on the, the last part of that definition, which says that it's a characteristic of God's dealing with sinful people. Check out what the Old Testament teaches us in Isaiah 48, verse 9. It says, For my own namesake I delay my wrath. For the, for the sake of my praise I hold it back from you so as not to cut you off. Listen, this verse is teaching us that, that, that God has a wrath, God has a punishment that is coming for sin. And that God is withholding that so that his people aren't cut off. This will bring himself glory, but he does it because he loves you and I. He doesn't want us to be cut off. A similar verse is found in the New Testament, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Chad read that for us earlier, but let me read it for you again. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now listen, if anybody has a good reason not to be patient, it's God. I mean, if I just look at my life, thankfully I'm not God, right? But if I was God and I was looking at me, John Warnock, I'd be incredibly frustrated. I mean, I would want to sit John down and grab me by the face and say, man, I am tired of you messing up. I am tired of you having to come back and ask for forgiveness, I've had enough. It's been 38 years, almost 39, and that's it. But you know what? God, thankfully, he's God and not me. God says he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to perish. He's holding back. He's developing us as followers of Christ. Now, for a little more understanding of what patience means, I want to do a very, very quick uh, word study uh, in Greek with you. Don't, don't panic, it's not going to be too hard. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, where we find the fruit of the Spirit listed, the Greek word there that most of our translations will say patience, the Greek word is macrothumia, 
Now that word is derived from two separate Greek words. One, macro, which means long or large, and thumos, which means anger or an emotional blaze. And so you put those two words together, you get macrothumias or um, macrothumia, which means a long blaze. I actually like the way that the King James Version of, of Scripture translates this word. It uses the English word long-suffering. Not just patience, but long-suffering. So what do we make of long-suffering? What do we make of patience? It means that we have a long fuse before we get angry. It takes a lot to get your dander up. Now listen, last Labor Day, some, some family friends and I and, and my family, we were out camping at, uh, at, a, at a lake. We were on an island and we had bought some fireworks uh, to surprise the kids. And so we bought, uh, my friend and I, we bought this circle disc of fireworks that looked like it was going to be these little missiles that shot up into the sky. And we thought, man, this would be fun. We could surprise the kids and we'll have a good time with all of this stuff. And it had a fuse on it that literally was probably about this long. And so the sun goes down, it gets dark, we kind of sneak over, we get the fireworks set up, and, and I light the fuse. Now again, fuse is this long, I'm thinking I've got plenty of time to get out of the way. Well, I light that fuse, and it was like a cartoon fuse. It went like that. Thankfully, it wasn't these missiles that shot up, otherwise I'd have eaten fireworks that night. But they all start exploding all on the ground, and I'm dancing and falling and tripping over rocks to get out of the way. I'm sure I'm screaming like a little schoolgirl because the kids are all laughing. So... Here's the thing, though. How many of you like to be around people that have a short fuse like that? Is that fun? Have you ever been around somebody with a a short fuse? Yes? Yeah? Have you ever been that person with a short fuse? Oh, yes? And nobody likes to be around that. So we're going to help you a little bit today. Now, sometimes in understanding a meaning of, of a word or of something, it's helpful to understand the opposite of what you're studying or the meaning of the word. So what's the opposite of patience or long-suffering? Well, in this case, the opposite is sinful anger. Sinful anger. There are times where, it's, where anger is appropriate. And anger is an emotion that we're going to have, and so we need to figure out how do we deal with it so that we can develop patience. I want to be abundantly clear before we dive into this, though. I want to be clear that as we talk about overcoming anger and developing patience... That the kind of patience that we're talking about today is really a supernatural outcome of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, now listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, you can take some of these things that we're going to talk about in a moment. You can take some of these things and you could probably put some of them into into practice and have some benefit. But true patience, this true long-suffering that we're going to talk about today, is really a release of God's Spirit in our lives. But listen, there are things that we can do that will align ourselves. There's decisions that we can make that will align ourselves so that God will work in us more effectively. Pastor Keith has said over the years that God acts like a perfect gentleman. He will never force us to do things. We've really got to come into alignment with what he's wanting to do. And then he'll work through us. And just in case you need some more motivation to allow the Holy Spirit to develop patience and help you overcome anger... Let me, let me share with you about a study that I read. It said this. It said, anger's physical side effects explain why you frequently see studies about the damage that this emotion, meaning anger, can do to our bodies. In one study of almost 13,000 subjects, individuals with the highest levels of anger had twice the risk of coronary artery disease and three times the risk 
of a heart attack as compared with subjects with the lowest levels of anger. So listen, even if you just want to be selfishly motivated by this for just a moment, if you can develop patience and overcome anger, it will help you physically. So what does the Bible have to say about patience and anger? Well, quite frankly, the Bible has a lot to say about it. And I probably could spend the rest of our time this morning doing nothing but reading for you passage after passage after passage. And there would be benefit in that. I want to focus in on one passage this morning. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. If you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there so that you can read along. Again, it's Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So I want to break this down into three very easy phrases that you could probably figure out on your own, but let's do it together anyway. First part there, the first phrase, the the first section says, In your anger, do not sin. Listen, the the Old Testament taught the same thing. In Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In your anger, don't sin. It's not a new teaching. The Bible is actually acknowledging the fact that we will get angry over some things. The Bible's saying, In our anger, don't sin. Listen, if you don't have anger, you don't have passion, you don't have convictions. Matter of fact, there are some things in life that you should, quite frankly, be angry about. What are some of those things? Child slavery in metro Atlanta and around the world. That ought to make you angry and you ought to do something about it. Racism ought to make you angry and you ought to do something about it. Other injustice ought to make you angry as followers of Christ and we ought to do something about it. That's one of the reasons why our church partners with a ministry called Street Grace that is dedicated to helping end child slavery here in the metro Atlanta area, and to help other churches and cities learn to do the same. Why? Because we heard about a horrible thing that was going on, and we said, you know what? That ought not be. It makes us angry, and we're going to do something about it. Even Jesus had moments where he was angry. There's a time in Scripture where it talks about where he went into the temple and saw the abuses that were going on there. And Jesus threw people out of the temple. He turned over tables, and he chased folks out. He was angry. He was so angry that people were afraid of him. There are times, followers of Christ, where we're to be angry, and that anger ought to cause us to move towards action, to ending that injustice. But there are times where we get angry, and the Bible acknowledges this, that we're going to be angry sometimes over things that don't matter. And that's what leads to sinful anger. And so we're going to talk in a few minutes, how do we overcome that? I'm going to give you some steps, but before we do, let's continue on in this passage. The next section in this passage says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, this verse is clearly teaching us that we are to deal with our anger quickly. I don't know that it literally means that you can't let the sun go down. Now, here's what I mean by that. What if you were to get angry and have a fight with somebody like five minutes before the sun sets? I mean, that only gives you five minutes to deal with things, right? Or, or what if you get mad or angry at somebody in the middle of the night? Does that mean you have to, like, you can fester in your anger all through the rest of the night, all through the next day till the sun goes down? I don't think that's what the verse is saying. That verse is telling us, though, that we are to handle our anger 
quickly. Now, I will tell you, I do believe it is a good habit to never, ever, ever go to sleep while you're still angry. Never, ever, ever do that, especially with your spouse or your family, but really for, with anybody. A great mentor of, of mine and my wife's, Lindsay's, told us 16 years ago when we were um, getting married, said, don't ever go to bed angry at one another. Now listen, they said, that doesn't mean that you've got to get everything worked out before you go to bed. But it does mean that you, you get to a spot where you can, you can affirm your love for one another and say, you know what, we're still not, we're still not the, the situation's not fixed yet, but we're going we're gonna to deal with it tomorrow because it's now 2 or 3 in the morning and we've got kids that are going to wake up at 6. And then our fuse is going to be even shorter with them, right? So we've got to get some sleep. But you get to a spot where you're no longer angry about the situation. Now the third section says that we don't, it says don't give the devil a foothold. Listen, we have a choice when we get angry. We can either honor God or we can let the devil win by giving him a foothold. Let me make this as simple as I can. When we respond to anger inappropriately, we allow Satan to win for just a little while. Now listen, if you've read the Bible all the way to the end, you know that ultimately God wins, right? God beats the devil. There is a real devil that's out there. And the Bible says that until the end of time, until Jesus returns, that the devil is looking for those that he can devour. Now what that means is if you're not yet a follower of Christ, he's looking, to, for, he's looking for people like you that he can destroy. And he will do everything he can to destroy you. If you're a follower of Christ... He wants to do everything he possibly can to make your life miserable. And when we respond without patience, with a short fuse in anger, we're letting him win for a little while. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on his team even just for a little bit. I don't want to give him a foothold in my life. James chapter 1 verse 20 says, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let me frame it for us this way. When we respond incorrectly to anger, we sin. We sin because we're causing hurt in other people's lives, because we say things that we don't mean. We pop off at the mouth, right? We sin because we're hurting others. We even sin when we, when we handle anger and we don't have patience because we may be a stumbling block to others coming to know Christ. Think about that for just a moment. So if we want to develop patience, long-suffering, and we want to make sure that our lives delight God and not let Satan win, we have to figure out then how do we respond to this anger that we all have sometimes? And how do we develop patience? I want to share with you some practical responses that will help you to develop patience and that will help you to love and honor God by Allow, uh, you're allowing, aligning your life with what he's already calling us to do. And so here's the first response. It's this. Resolve to manage your anger. Resolve to manage your anger. Here's what I mean. Don't deny that you're going to get angry. Instead, come up with a plan to how you're going to deal with it. The key to managing your anger is to decide in advance before you get angry how you're going to handle it. In other words, you develop a plan, and these next few steps is going to be that plan. It's the same reason why in our school systems we do fire drills, right? Why do we do fire drills? Because if there's ever the emergency of a fire, and it might happen, 
We want to make sure that the kids and faculty and teachers and, and all of that, that they can get out safely in an orderly fashion where they're not doing a, trampe- a stampede over one another and people get hurt and stuck. Why? They have a plan. They know what's going to happen if the fire alarm goes off. So you need to develop the same kind of plan when you, when you know that your patience is up and you're starting to get angry. Now also in this, this same thing of managing our anger, it will help you in advance to count the cost of uncontrolled anger. Count the cost of uncontrolled anger if you need some motivation there so that you can develop patience. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, A, hot, a hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 29 says, A quick-tempered man displays folly. In other words, a quick-tempered person makes dumb mistakes. So let me confess to you a time where I made a dumb mistake because I had a quick temper. When Lindsay and I got married, someone had given us um, a rolling red tool chest that still sits in my garage today. I had been out in the yard doing something, and something had gotten me frustrated. I don't even remember what that was at this point. But I, I came in from, from being out in, the, out in the, the yard, being frustrated at whatever it was. I came in, and I, I started to put some of the tools away. When I put the tools into that little box, there was a... There was a lid on it that kind of slid out and then closed down, right? Does that make sense? Well, it got jammed on something. And so I was frustrated, and I kind of slammed the thing down. Well, when I did that, you know what happened? The lid bent. And so I was even madder at that point. So then I'm looking at it, I'm going, all right, I've got to try to fix it. Well, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't, I couldn't unbend it. And guess what now? Guess what? That lid doesn't close. It broke because I displayed folly. I had a short temper about something that really didn't matter. If you were to come to my house, that thing is still sitting in my garage today as a reminder to me. I've thought about replacing it oftentimes, and I'm not going to because it is a reminder to me that when I have a short temper, I display folly, and I make stupid mistakes. Thankfully, it wasn't really that big of a deal. It was my own thing, but, but, but how bad would that have been if I would have not physically hurt somebody, but my words hurt somebody else? So once we resolve to manage anger and say, all right, what's the plan? How does this work? What are we going to do? Well, here's the first step in managing your anger. It's this. Delay our anger or your anger. And listen, this requires maturity. We, we learn and we know already that, that we sort of have to change environments. I read a study that talks about that most people already know that, that we're to change environments. The problem is they... The, the problem is people change their environments after they've already sinned and after they've already popped out the mouth. But here's what the study said. It, said. it said for men, when we get angry, that typically we get in the car and drive. Now, that doesn't, doesn't that make you feel good? To know that when you're out there driving around, you're out there driving with some guys out there that are angry, that are going to make stupid mistakes. But here's what the study said about women. And again, this is what the study said. It just said, when, when they get angry, they, they sin, they, they pop off of the mouth, they say things they shouldn't, and then they withdraw, and oftentimes they eat. So I make the best of both worlds. When I get angry, I get in my car, and I drive to Chick-fil-A and have me a big old milkshake, because it helps. The trick is, you do that before you pop off of the mouth and sin. You, you remove yourself from the situation 
Maybe you have to ask permission. Go ahead and have this conversation when you're not angry to your spouse or your kids and say, hey, listen, you know what? When, I, when y'all do something that frustrates me and I start to get angry and I realize that, that I'm not having long-suffering patience, I'm going to have to remove myself for a little bit. That doesn't mean you go away for days. All right? But it means that you count to 10. You count to 100. Maybe you count to 1,000. I've done that before. But you, you, you kind of you delay it. Now listen, this is not some psychological advice. The Bible tells us to do this. In Proverbs 29, verse 11, it says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger, but a wise man waits and lets it grow cool. So what do you do while you delay your anger? Do you just sit there and, and replay the scenario over and over again in your head? And you think of, oh my gosh, if I would have just said this, I would have gotten them. Anybody else do that? I do sometimes. I think of all the cool comebacks like five minutes after the situation's gone. All right, don't do that. Don't even have the cool comebacks in the middle of it. Because here's the thing. When you fester on the thing that made you angry, do you know what happens? You stay angry. So let me tell you what you do then while you're delaying your anger. You pray and you ask God to give you his patience. He's already told us, and we know that Galatians 5.22 says that it is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that God is wanting to pour into your life anyway. It is something that God is wanting to develop in your life anyway. Don't you think it stands to reason then that if you take a step back and you say, God, I need your help right now, don't you think he will answer that prayer? I think he will. Because you're aligning yourself in what God's already wanting to do in your life. Now one more practical thing in delaying your anger. Learn to say this phrase. So write this down, okay? Write this down. I may be the one that is wrong. As you're delaying your anger, and you're saying, God, give me your patience, say to yourself, I may be the one that's wrong. We're going to practice that right now because it's hard to say. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him right now, I may be the one that's wrong. So now for some of you, for some of you, you came in and you were angry and you're sitting next to the person that you were angry at. You've taken the first step to admitting that it, the problem may be you, right? So, Because, listen, here's the thing. If we can delay our anger, it gives us the chance then to do the next step in our plan, which is we define the anger. Now, here's what I mean. Anger is not really a primary emotion. It is, it is typically a response to something else. Usually, it's a response to one of these three things. Hurt, frustration, or fear. Anger is typically a response to hurt, frustration, or fear. So you have to ask yourself, and it may even help you to ask God to say, God, peel back the layers in my life and help me to know why is it that I'm really angry. You know, it's kind of like when, when Lindsay and I were teaching our boys to make their bed, which they still don't do all of the time, but, but when they did, and we were teaching them this, you know, you'd walk in there and their bed would be all lumpy sometimes. And so you'd have to peel back that top layer. And sometimes it would be because they didn't make the sheets. They just kind of left them all bunched up. Sometimes it was because they left some of their toys on their bed. And they just said, hey, we'll just cover it up. That looks like it's made to me. 
Sometimes it was because they left the dog under the bedspread. You never knew what, what you'd find under there. But the only way you could really find out what was under there was to peel back that layer. In the same way, you've got to peel back the layer to find out what is it that is causing your anger. You have to learn to do that. It usually is, I'm telling you, it's usually hurt, frustration, or fear. Sometimes it's all three. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to serve with our student ministry up in Alaska, doing a mission trip with World Changers. Now, some of you guys that are part of the student ministry, you've heard this story before. But while we were there, they split us up into teams, and and each team had a different job to do. The job that I was on, we were working, I don't even know how you explain this, because they don't have these here, and I still don't even know what it was called there. But it was basically a place for elderly folks to come during the day to hang out, play cards, do that kind of stuff. They would have lunch. They'd play some more cards in the afternoon. They'd go home. Well, we were repairing some stuff around there. And we got to eat lunch with them, which was awesome. Because all the other groups that were on other sites, they were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And the team I was on, we were eating fresh salmon one day, fresh halibut the next day. And we were getting to talk and meet to these people that, that were homesteaders, most of them. Most of them that were at that age. They had been given land years ago if they would just go and settle in Alaska, which is fascinating to me. But listen, as they're talking to me, about what life is like in Alaska. Every single one of them had a bear story. They told us about bears trying to get into their house. They told us about bears eating their dogs. They told us about bears trying to eat their neighbor. They told us all kinds of bear stories. So keep in mind, as I'm telling this story, I've heard nothing but five days of bear attack stories. All right. Our last day there in Alaska, we said, you know what, wouldn't it be fun if we took our students over to this other town where we can get on a boat and go see killer whales? Yeah, that'd be great. So we took them over there. Well, as we're driving, we think, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun if we saw bears? I mean, we already got to see moose as we're driving along and stuff like that. And so we thought, man, wouldn't it be cool? So on the way back from this whale watching expedition, let me see if I can set the stage here. We're in six minivans. I'm in the last minivan. I don't remember who all is leading, but they're driving the other minivans. And we're driving back, and we're all disappointed. It was cool we got to see whales, but we hadn't seen a bear yet. All of a sudden, the first van pulls off the side of the road, and they, they, they yell out their window, hey, we think we see a bear down in the river over here to our left. And so we all turn around, and they pull into this parking lot. And I don't remember why there's a parking lot in the middle of Alaska, but there's this parking lot in the middle of Alaska next to this river. And so... I'm the last van that gets there, and somehow I had gotten delayed by like two minutes getting to this parking lot. Well, I pull into the parking lot, and I see people pouring out of our vehicles, running down to see if they can find the bear that they thought they saw in the river. And so I beep the horn. Not mad at this point. I beep the horn, and I say, hey, y'all need to get back in your cars. And like half of the group turns and goes, shh, you're going to scare away the bear. I lost it. I I still didn't get out of my car, just so you know. Maybe I did. But I stayed right there by it. And I'm yelling. I've never yelled at anybody like that that I I know of. And I'm yelling. I'm like, y'all better get in the car right now or I'm going to kill you. And so when I think back to that, why did I get so angry? I was afraid. I was afraid for the kids and the adults that were running to this river. I was afraid that I was going to have to call Timmy's mom. Timmy wasn't on the trip. Timmy's mom and say, I'm sorry, Mrs. So-and-so, but little Timmy decided he was going to run after a bear, and he died. I'll bring you back whatever I can. I was afraid that that was going to happen. I was frustrated 
Because I couldn't believe that people were making the choice to get out of this car and go after a bear. And I was hurt, quite frankly, because they turned around and shushed me. So it led to this, it was, it was a perfect storm of anger, and I'm just telling you, I lost it. Now, that situation were to happen again, I probably would still get out of my car and yell. Because I, I don't want those people to get hurt. But I'm telling you, if you can define the hurt, frustration, or fear of what is really making you angry, you can take the next step, which is diffusing it. If you can identify what's causing the problem, you can figure out a way to solve it, right? I mean, so let's say... Let's say you, you, in diffusing it, when you get to this step, you realize that, that what's caused your anger is something that, that your spouse said to you that was hurtful. And that's what made you fly off the handle, right? You following me? What if, what if instead of flying off the handle and losing it, what if you were to say something like this? I want to let you know that I was really hurt by that situation. And that hurt triggered anger in me. And so I just want to talk so we can avoid that hurt again. Don't you think, don't you think that that would be a great conversation starter? I mean, certainly, if you learn to respond that way and learn to, to talk in those kind of frames, framing things that way, instead of pointing your finger at them and saying, man, you're a jerk because of what you did, that'll help you develop long-suffering and patience. Now, there's another aspect to this whole diffusing anger thing, and it's, it's found in Romans 12, verse 2, where it talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does that happen? How do we renew our minds? Well, we, number one, we allow God to do it, but we, remember, we memorize verses of Scripture. You Read and memorize Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 that we've gone over today. Read, if, um, read the whole chapter of Ephesians 4 on a daily basis. Read Romans 8 on a daily basis until God begins to lengthen your fuse. God will begin to transform your mind. As you memorize scripture and as you study daily, God will lengthen your fuse and he will help you to develop long-suffering. Now the final response to anger is this, in developing patience. And, And quite frankly, it's the most important, but it's the simplest of all. It's that we hand our anger over to God. And we say, God, I need your help to be long-suffering. I need your help to develop patience. And here's what I mean. It is as simple as praying something like this. God, I really need you right now. I need you. I am hurt. I am frustrated. I am afraid. I need you now, God. Manifest your patience in me. God works then. Not because he's a genie in a bottle waiting for you to say the right words. He works because at that moment, if you pray a prayer like that in sincerity, you are aligning your will with what he's already saying he's wanting to do. And he will answer that prayer. Now I want you to think with me for a moment. Imagine with me for a moment. What would our world look like if we as Christ followers would develop long-suffering? And maybe that's too hard for you to think of, our our whole world, okay? So what would our church look like? What would our community look like, Dogwood Church, if we became a church known of people that have patience, that are long-suffering, that we don't fly off the handle easily? Think about your family. What would your family look like if you had long-suffering, if you were patient? What would your marriage look like? What would, your, what would your relationship with your kids look like? And, what, and how would your kids see God differently 
if you weren't angry and you had patience and long-suffering with them. Now listen, I guarantee you that this week you're going to have the opportunity to be angry and to, and to instead develop the, 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 the habit of long-suffering and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, your life. You can count on it. So I'm asking you now to decide that you're going to choose to honor God by choosing to resolve and manage your anger, by delaying your response, by taking the time to define your anger so that you can diffuse it, and ultimately that you hand it over to God. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Now listen, in a group this size, I know that there are some in this room that have not yet chosen to follow Christ. And let me just tell you that, that as I said at the beginning of the service, you can put some of these things into practice, but you will not be someone who has the gift of, of or the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life of patience unless you're a follower of Christ. And so this morning, if, if that's you, if you don't have that relationship with God, then tell him something like this in your own words. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. In other words, God, I give you complete and total control of who I am and to be my forgiver. God, forgive me for my sin. Thank you, God. Thank you for saving me and for letting me have a relationship with you. Now listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed in an attitude of prayer, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to ask you to do one of two things. On your communication card that you filled out earlier, on the back of that, there's a box that you can check that says, I'm following Christ today. You can do one of two things with that card. You can turn it in in just a few moments when we take the offering. Or if you want to talk to somebody this morning, head to the front left-hand side of the auditorium. There'll be some people there that will help you. Listen, our church exists to help people on the journey of knowing and loving Christ. We want to help you do that. Let us know about it. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a great day of worshiping you. You are amazing. We thank you that you love us so much that we could love you back. And God, for those of us that are Christ followers, we submit to you and ask that you would develop this fruit in us. Help us to be people that are long-suffering. And it's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.